Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Do we actually, I'm not sure, like, I've never really thought about dinosaurs sneezing. I, it, it's it's <laughs> that they, they could have, or what, I mean, cows and horses sneeze? Well, I mean, it's, do, as far as the, the, um, the bump on the head, has that been, are those truly the actual navel cavities? Like, has that been, that's not a, um, like, that's not a cinematic invention. Well, there's a lot of debate as to where the nasal cavities actually would have been. Okay. A fair amount of debate as to whether or not they had a somewhat of a trunk, almost like. Ooh, I've seen I've seen drawings of that with the like, yeah, like the yeah. trunk of. Jada's Jada's face just went insane when I mentioned that. So that is Google that. It's so wild. It's that paleo art. The trunks are crazy looking. It's. it's I want to appreciate Stephen's onomatopoeia. Today. The, oh, all the like. And <laughs> the lizard tongue sounds like. Yes, I, I, I appreciate this. Uh, the, I think the most recent thing I read about whether or not that was possible is based on the wear of the teeth. We think mm. it wasn't because if they were grabbing stuff in the trunk and putting it in their mouth, you'd have much more wear in the back just for chewing. But apparently, according to most of the wear patterns on front Bacchiosaurus teeth, uh, they thought they were actually using those to pluck vegetation as well. So they probably wouldn't have had a trunk. As far as the position of the nostrils go, 
we originally used to think, like originally like 100 years ago, they may have been at the top of their head, started <laughs> to help them breathe while in water Ugh. because we just didn't think an animal this size could hold up its own body weight on land. So they spend a lot of time in water with almost like that snorkel situation. It's interesting because in the open, you know, in the and it transition to our next dinosaur, they kind of like like play with those notions of our our understanding of brachiosaurs where it's like okay they're they're clearly not a, a water dwelling completely dinosaur but they are showing it walking out of the lagoon so they're kind of like eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Welcome to See Jurassic Right. It's Stephen Ray Morris. Welcome back. I've missed you. It feels like it's been forever. I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's doing well in their quarantine. Westworld is over. Now I'm back on my Jurassic Park bullshit. No. <laughs> I oh, Westworld was so good. And if you didn't watch the show, I definitely think if you love the the juicy Michael Crichtonness of Jurassic, the sort of hubris of man stuff, it's it's right all up in there, wrapped up in a neat, nice sci-fi package. So that's all I'll say about Westworld. But I am excited it's over, so I can get back to focusing on Jurassic. And if you haven't been listening to the the Westworld recaps, I've been moving during this quarantine. It's been a whole thing. So finally, I'm done moving. I mean, there's unpacking, which I'll mention a little bit because I moved, you know, all my Jurassic stuff. But uh, it's a whole thing. But I'm hoping to get back on a more regular podcasting schedule with y'all because I miss you and I miss talking Jurassic Weekly. And so, I mean, in that time, I did record a few episodes. So those are going to start rolling out next week or this week or next week or when I Good time. Anyway, <laughs> they're coming. There's some cool stuff coming. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, and I also did a bunch of other fun dinosaur stuff. I think I just needed to do some fun dinosaur stuff with other people. Again, we're stuck at home. LA has a stay at home order until July, I believe. I know some places are starting to open up, uh, but let's stay safe. Wear a mask, stay at home. Anyway. And this will come into play when we talk about the news section a little bit later, because obviously the quarantine is still affecting, is still affecting, uh, obviously film production. So speaking of fun dinosaur things I did, I wanted to mention up top that, well, besides hearing me on Dustin Grawick's Dino 101, which I'll talk about a little bit later, that's what you heard up in the intro. This month, I was also honored to, or last month, I should say, I was super honored to write an article for the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles. I've partnered with them a few times, besides speaking there for Dinosaur Day and some other things. It was super exciting to write some dinosaur content that you can dig into and, you know, under quarantine and dig into. Okay. Um, and, you know, when I wrote it, I it was for dinosaur fans. So, obviously, Jurassic Park and Land Before Time, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, would always be on the top of the list. But I wanted to... Dig a little deeper. Uh, I can't, how many times am I going to do that in this episode? So I wanted to talk more about a movie like Fallen Kingdom, for example, which I think is great for dinosaur fans because it's a little bit, you know, they 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 introduce dinosaur a lot of new dinosaurs that maybe people haven't heard of the, the non mainstream dinosaurs. Also, Land Before Time Two is just so an, it's such an interesting. 
you know, uh, thing with with introducing Chomper, who's a meat eater, but he's friends with the other, you know, the other dinosaurs and that kind of how that kind of plays out. So go there. And also there's some podcasts and some uh, like Common Descent, which I love. And the PBS show uh, Eons, which is a great evolution, like about the evolution of life and the history of the earth and stuff like that. That YouTube channel is awesome as well. So anyway, go read that article. I'll include the link in the notes and stuff, but I've been throwing it all over social for the last month. So if you haven't read it yet, go read it. Uh, I'm really proud of it. And I believe it already ended, but Chris Pratt had a contest where essentially if you were super rich, you know, the, the people who didn't need coupon day, you could go and, you know, give as much money as possible to try and uh, basically buy your way into an extras part to be in Jurassic World Dominion. Or you could, you know, donate 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 100 or whatever and be entered in a chance. And so I obviously, uh, you know, that was maybe my little birthday present to myself, you know, bought uh, a few chances. And again, it was for charity and stuff like that. Actually, I think the contest is still going. I think the auction is done, but the contest is still on. So I'll include a link to that as well. And that's exciting, too, because when we jump into the news section, uh, you know, there's <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion is probably going to get delayed because they were supposed to start filming and they technically did start filming for about a week or two weeks back in what was that the end of February, beginning of March before it got delayed. And even if they started filming today, there's no way they would make that original release date. So more on that in a second. But seeing something like Chris Pratt's contest gives me a lot of hope that obviously there's still that, you know, stuff is still going on behind the scenes. They're not just lying dormant right now. So uh, what I wanted to share next also, this is this announcements up top, mostly just links to some interesting articles and some things, you know, big, big things going on. Perry Nimiroff, uh, who is one of Jurassic's biggest supporters on a lot of the, she, she works for Collider and she's been on this podcast before she ranked the Jurassic Park movies. And if you haven't read it yet, it's a really great list. And you know, it's a thing where, you know, it might not line up with your list, but the reasons why she talks about certain movies are so compelling. It made me rethink JP3 in a big way. And I love JP3. Like right now, it's not my least favorite Jurassic Park movie, which it might be surprising to some people. But she even had a whole other layer to it. Billy! Uh, yeah, so go check that out. I put a link to that. Ah, dang it. I said I wasn't going to talk about Westworld. Uh, Westworld has been renewed for season four. It's great. I love it. The sad thing is it's probably going to be another three years before uh, we get another Westworld season. Like these seasons take so long to make. It's going to be a few years. So hopefully we'll have some more. I think I mentioned this in one of the Westworld recap episodes. Uh, besides Camp Cretaceous, I'm hoping we can find some more TV shows or things that we can kind of watch along together um, besides the original movies, because I think it's really fun to kind of watch something together in real time for the first time. So hopefully something comes around. And I was very bummed that the Trolls 5K was canceled because at the end of April, Brennan and I were supposed to do that kind of based similarly on the Jurassic Universal Studios run. There was going to be a Trolls 5K and that got canceled. But hopefully as things start to, you know, um, you know, when things get not get back to normal, but when things start to, you know, when things start to open back up again, I would love to do another Jurassic 10K, 5K, something like that. So, but yeah, without further ado, let's get on to the news. So where to start? Obviously, Dominion is going to be delayed. I mean, there's no way that they would. 
make that June eleventh, June uh, yeah, June eleventh, twenty twenty one release date now. I mean, again, I mean, the earliest we could see production beginning in Los Angeles or, you know, in LA or even in, well, and they were set to film in London for like the next three months and, or it would have been, you know, April, March, April, May, June, pretty much. And so, yeah, so that window's gone. So, and so it's kind of, you know, it's interesting. And I think, I, I think most Jurassic, pan, Jurassic fans are Jurassic pans, pan, Jurassic pan flutes. <laughs> Uh, I think we're all kind of on the same page in that sense of like, yeah, it's better that it gets delayed and it's done right rather than try and rush it. I mean, at this point, you couldn't even ru- it wouldn't even be possible to rush it. This is not something you can really rush in this kind of way. So and, and, th- and that goes along with Deadline, which recently that um, Universal announced new Universal basically was because right now everyone's like scrambling to sort of because release dates for movies are set so far in advance. And now because of COVID-19, it's really just thrown everything for a loop. So now tons of movie studios are scrambling to reassess their dates, movie release dates and stuff. And if you don't know, basically all the studios try and it's like a big Tetris puzzle piece where it's like, okay, well, if you're putting out, you know, Captain Marvel two here, then I'll put, you know, uh, Fast and the Furious here so that they don't compete with each other. It's kind of making everyone kind of have a piece of the pie together. And which is, I mean, it's just, that's a whole other thing we could go into. But right now, Universal Studios has set aside a few dates um, because, yeah, they want to, they want to let people know that they're serious about 2022 so that, you know, it's kind of that thing where it's like, I call dibs on this weekend. And then sometimes you know, movie studios will kind of jostle for, for release dates. But right now, Universal, and this comes from Deadline, Universal secured June 10th, 2022. And I mean, unless that's like a Minions 4 or another Fast and the Furious movie, there's no way that's not Jurassic World Dominion. I don't think they want to say that Dominion is delayed just yet because they're still waiting to see how everything shakes out because are we going to even have movie theaters be open at all for the rest of the year? I know in some countries, I think New Zealand is starting to open back up a little bit because they've been very good about dealing with the the coronavirus. Our country hasn't, the, in the U.S. speaking. And so some countries that have been a lot better about it are starting to feel more comfortable opening back up, but remains to be seen here. And, you know, we're in a time where the U.S. box office I mean, it's still imp- it's still the most important, but you, we've seen plenty of movies now who've had bigger successes overseas get sequels made, like Pacific Rim. Speaking of um, Emily Carmichael, um, who wrote on the second one, but so yeah, remains to be seen how this is all going to shake out. So I think, in a weird way, it's like okay, let's secure the date, but let's not announce that it's being moved quite yet because they almost it's like well if we can get like if they started production you know maybe we'd get another Jurassic movie you know November 2021 or something I doubt that but I think I think right now they're playing it safe and again this is just my analysis it is nothing no based in fact and (laughs) but again the other wrench in the thing is and I believe a lot of people probably saw this but you know the six trolls uh world tour which was very fun uh was a huge success or you know in their eyes universal deemed it a huge success 
for the because they that Trolls World Tour was in a bind. Basically, it was like set to come out at the peak COVID nineteen outbreak or the like. You know when it was kind of when people were the most panicked in the United States, and so basically they were just like, "Shit, do we delay this? You know, six months a year." Or do we use this as an experiment to see what the VOD, the video on demand market is like? And they, it was a hit for them in their mind. And, you know, looking, crunching the numbers and stuff. And so basically this is, you know, there was this kind of back and forth between Universal uh, and AMC where basically Universal was like, shit, if we can be successful without putting it in the theaters. And the idea is that the universal can put a movie out on demand and you know if they're charging 20 bucks or which i believe is how much trolls was if they can put out you know the movie for 20 bucks on streaming and keep pretty much most of that revenue from every home versus you know you get 20 bucks a ticket for the movie theater and they can maybe keep a couple of bucks from that because it's got to go to the theater you know anyway i i won't you know i'll include a link to all this stuff i won't bore you with the business stuff but it was, you know, it just was like, it felt like AMC was like, <laughs> Brenna, Luna, and I, we got World Tour opening weekend. We paid 20 bucks. But if we were going to go to the movie theaters, we would pay, you know, 60 bucks. Or I, guess, I don't know how much a kid's ticket costs. But, you know, basically it's like, you know, in Los Angeles, we'd be paying, you know, 50 bucks or whatever, plus food, drinks, all that stuff. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I think it's this kind of thing where I hope the focus truly is on the audience because, Oh, and essentially because of all this, you know, universal being like, Oh, I don't know if we need theaters anymore. Obviously the AMC was just like, well, fuck you then. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard because again, what I was trying to say is that like, I want like, what's important is the audience, you know, what's important is, is our viewing experience. And so to me, it's like, I still want, I miss going to the movie theaters. I mean, it's funny because Brennan and I just got the AMC, speaking of AMC, we just got our AMC passes. And so we were seeing tons of movies at the beginning of this year, you know, all the like Oscar kind of movies and stuff. And so I truly miss the movie theater experience. But also at the same time, now at home, people's movie systems are so much better than they were. So that experience is kind of blending. And I mean, I... I hope for both. I and no, I don't know. I think I mean, what do you all think? Would you rather have classic model theaters and then video or would you want the option to at midnight, you know, go to go to the theaters or go to or you know, go to your you know, Apple or whatever uh stream, you know, whatever streaming service and download the movie. I, I it, I could see a version of this where like a version for me, like almost like a practical version for me would be say that there's this big, you know, I think with Jurassic, obviously I want to see in theaters, but maybe there's a big movie where I don't know if I have time to go see it. Maybe I have to work. And, but then I get home from work and it's like, you know, midnight or something. And I'm like, all right, I'll watch the new, you know, Batman movie or whatever, I'll watch it on at home and then maybe I'll go to the theaters over the weekend or something. So I could see something like that happening personally as well too. I mean, if you remember from two years ago 
when Fallen Kingdom was coming out, I ended up seeing it eight times in theaters in the first month, which was like a lot. And I, I'm glad I did it, but it was still a lot to see a movie that much in one small span of time. But at the same time, it's like, I would love the option to watch something at home as well, too, because there is like, you know, especially, you know, doing podcasts and doing things like that. It's like, that would be a lot easier for me if it's like, okay, I saw the movie in theaters opening night. Great. Loved it. But then it's like, okay, I want to watch it again to kind of, you know, get a chance to sit at home, pause it, look, do some analysis, stuff like that. So I could see having it be simultaneously on demand and at home being also kind of good as well too. So I don't know. Let me know what you think. I think, I mean, a lot of it was just like swinging dick, like, like dick measuring contest shit, which I really hate a lot of that kind of toxic masculinity stuff of like, no, my theater is better than your, you don't, you know, I don't know. Anyway, that's where I'm at on that. Again, I hope ultimately whatever, however it shakes out, I hope what's really kept in mind is the audience. I think that's what the most important thing is. So, and some additional news. Um, Actually, we got two more images of Macy from Dominion. So I'm going to, get my papers. I'm actually in my new office right now. I think this is the first SJR I've recorded in the new space. So I just moved to two bedroom and I have a little office recording studio space slash collection room. So uh, I've posted, maybe I've posted some pictures online. I'm not sure. I'll post some cool pics. I'll post some cool pics, but the cool pics we're going to look at right now, both are from Colin Trevorrow. One of them was on Twitter. One of them was on Instagram. He's mixing it up. Uh, One of them was right now on Twitter, there's all these kind of games going on where you kind of share, you know, you share, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, favorite this, favorite characters, movie things, you know, these kind of challenge. It's basically like chain letters from email, but on Twitter. And one of them was to all the professionals in film, television, entertainment, arts world, join the challenge to post a photo of you and your job, just a picture, no description. The goal is to flood social media with our profession. Copy this text and post a pic. So Colin tweeted that and then posted a pic of him. And then maybe like first AD or somebody like that. I He looks like a first AD to me. I don't know. But they're in the snow and it's just a close up of Macy in a beanie. She's got long red hair. Isabella Sermon, I should say. And yeah, I mean, that's the pick. And it's just Colin kind of looking at, he's wearing a beanie as well. And looking very Spielbergy in this photo, actually. And that's really cool. Again, kind of showing us the, the sort of in the snow element, which was like the first week of filming that they did. And then the second one is just a photo. I, I don't, I can't tell if there, I printed this one out too. I can't tell if there was a description. Oh, Samantha Joe liked it. <laughs> uh, so it's a photo of what looks like it's maybe like Collins, like editing studio workspace. It's very minimal. You know, it's got a fern, some bamboo furniture, some wood and a lamp. And then on an iMac or yeah, an iMac tower, not a tower, but just like the iMac computer, he has, it's like a wide shot. looks like a, maybe he's looking at some stills or some um, dailies or something like that. And it's just Macy walking down a lone snowy street with a bicycle. Again, it's very last of us kind of in a way too. It reminds me, cause I, I just watched a playthrough of the original last of us, which was really cool. And it makes me want to actually go back and play the game, but um, reminds me of that too. And that, and that I wanted to bring also another topic up, as we just talked about Dominion being delayed by a year and Dominion possibly as far as resuming filming production, you know, they might not even resume filming until the same, basically it's like a mulligan on 2020 
and they would basically just pick up same time next year for Dominion back, you know, February again or whatever, uh, you know. But so my question, because they filmed all this stuff with Macy, and it makes me wonder because kids kids grow no but kids grow really rapidly and so isabel sermon's still pretty young and she might grow like two inches and then you know people go grow through their growth spurts at that age and to me the funniest example of this is on the hobbit where i think the character's name is bane and it's bard the bowman's son and when they filmed all the like Lake Town stuff, they filmed it all in the original like Hobbit shoot, like in 2012. And then they went back and were doing pickups every year. So by the time Battle the Battle Three Armies comes out, they you know probably film stuff in the summer of 2015 pickups, or maybe they did 2014. Either way, the actor who played Bane, like uh, uh, Bard the Bowman's uh, Luke Evans' son, he looks completely different. It's insane. Like his voice is different. Like, and there's some parts in the Battle Three Armies where they switch back and forth, and you're like, you can't hide that. The kid is taller than Luke Evans now, and so they had to do some weird tricks with it and everything. And yeah, it's I I only bring this up because I just can imagine. I guess the thing that and a lot of people were talking about on Twitter, it's like they might just re like reshoot all the stuff that they shot at the beginning of the shoot because it was only a week. It was probably, you know, maybe five days, maybe seven days or maybe 10 total tops. But that was about it. I think Sam Neill recently mentioned that in an, in an article or in an interview as well, too. So I don't know. I think if if. If Isabella Sermon grows too much, they might just like, uh, I guess we just put a mulligan on that footage and just start again, you know, which would kind of suck. Or maybe they built that into the story and maybe the prologue or I mean, I'm a, I don't know uh, who knows where this footage is placed in the movie anyway. But I wonder if I mean, depending on because in my mind, it just feels like you could see an opening of a movie like I could see Dominion opening on like ice and snow and in kind of like Macy all by herself, or maybe she's with Owen. I think they did say that Chris Pratt was there, but not Bryce Dallas Howard. So that fuels my theory of like Owen kind of being the caretaker for Macy while she's in hiding. And so, but then something comes and busts them out of hiding or forces them to get on the run or whatever. So, and you could see, I could see that being like a fun opening to a movie. So again, this is all speculation. Let me know what you think. And some other news, we can run through some other news right now. There's a couple more things. Uh, Universal trades a new Jurassic video game titled Jurassic World Aftermath. And I think I speak for a handful of people when I say, look, I love Jurassic Park. Park simulators are cool. I've, you know, loved Dino Park Tycoon growing up. I, you know, will still eventually play Jurassic World Evolution, but I want a Jurassic game that is not a park simulator. I want, you know, there was supposed to be um, a Jurassic World game, like Jurassic World Survivor, back in like 2015 or something that was scrapped. And so Jurassic Outpost, where the article comes from, they do a lot of speculation if this is like a pickup of that game. Uh, but who knows? Because um, trademarks and stuff are very vague and they kind of cover a lot of ground to kind of cover their bases. So I don't know. I would, you know, I I've been in this thing where I'm trying to find a Nintendo switch, the OG one, because I want to play breath of the wild on my TV, not just, you know, on the, you know, on the 
to go or whatever to go uh, portable. <laughs> but so I this makes me really excited because I miss playing. I mean, I loved the Jurassic Park game for PlayStation. I would play that at my best friend's house all the time growing up. Even the fighting game, Warpath, and, you know, the Genesis game I played a little bit again. Well, I played it more at the beginning of quarantine. I haven't really touched it since. But, you know, I would love, like, a first-person Jurassic game or a third-person kind of survival, you know, speaking of Last of Us kind of style game that takes place on, you know, in the ruins of Jurassic World. That would be pretty fun. So, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Are you hungry for more Jurassic games? I mean, Jurassic World Alive, you know, you could still play, but you just got to maintain proper social distancing. And speaking of other trademarks, Universal Trademarks Generation Jurassic, which again, oh, this article is from Jurassic Park Podcast. And and I'm excited for this. Um, And I've heard a few different speculations about what it is, but... If this is part of the marketing for Dominion, that's exciting. If this is part of a new toy line, that would be rad. But either way, I love the... It reminds me so much of like, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. You know, it's just like... And I think I was saying to some people... I was saying to someone like, our generation, you know, this Jurassic Park is our Star Wars. And we are the Jurassic generation. We are generation Jurassic. And I just love, like, I just really want to see like before dominion comes out, if this is part of like a marketing campaign, I would love to like, you know, turn to the camera, like, you know, 90s style, like generation Jurassic, like thumbs up. And, you know, like I hold my arms out like a T-Rex. I'm generation Jurassic. And, you know, something, it's like all VHS kind of style footage. I would love that so much and that would be really fun. So, but let me know what you think. Do you think it's, or maybe it's a TV show thing. Maybe it's, you know, the, to further the franchise of Jurassic, the idea that we're going to get maybe stories told in multiple generations. I'm really leaning on, I think right now, I think before maybe when it was first announced, I was leaning on a new project, but it makes more sense that it might just be like a marketing thing. You know, it just feels very snappy. It's got hashtag generation Jurassic. I think Jurassic Park, Jurassic World has a problem, which I just in stating that it's like you want to appeal to the nostalgia of Jurassic Park, but the new franchise is called World. And with Colin's comments about sort of Jurassic Park 6, Jurassic World 3, but like referring to it as Jurassic Park six, because it is, you know, bringing back all of the, the original trilogy and stuff like that. So I could see this kind of hashtag generation Jurassic as sort of a way to consolidate a lot of this stuff while keeping the word Jurassic, but not having to deal with the Parker world problem as far as like branding and all that stuff. So yeah, you know, that's, I, I don't know. Let me know what you think. What are you hoping for? And I, this article is fun. Uh, the most profitable, the most profitable franchise of all time, Jurassic Park. It, this is a Forbes article that basically said, like, per movie, per how much money each movie made, ba- per budget. Like basically, <laughs> like basically, Jurassic Park, the Jurassic Park franchise is the biggest bang for your buck. Each movie's made over a billion dollars, even though there's only five movies. So you could say, like, they even say it's like, oh, well, you you know, Marvel's made all this money because it has like 18 or whatever movies. But like the amount of movies per success, well, horror movies are technically the most successful because those movies cost like five dollars to make and make millions. But, 
you know, and the article is really great. It goes more into detail about the budgets and breakdowns, if that's something you're interested in. But essentially, as far as franchise success goes, Jurassic Park is the most successful because it's the most like it's sensible, you know, and it's you know, we we give you a return on we give you a healthy return on your investment. You know, we don't expect too much up top, but we give you more than what you came than what you came with, kind of thing. So, I I love that for that. So, and then oh hey, we get some dinosaur news because it, it's exciting to see. And I don't know if that's because I'm following even more scientists and things now on Twitter, but like there was just a day where it was just like Spinosaurus was trending on Twitter, and it's like that's awesome. So. Ooh, this is awesome. So I'm opening up the Nat Geo article from Michael Greshko. And there's this really cool, who did this art piece? This header image is badass. It's by David, David uh, Bonadonna. I'm assuming this is the, that's the main header image art. Anyway, it's the, the headline of the article is Bizarre Spinosaurus Makes History as the First Known Swimming Dinosaur. And so it shows Spinosaurus, it shows two of them swimming underwater. They got webbed feet. They've got this big, thick boy tail. Thick boy tail. And and one of them's about to munch on a sword, on a um, sawtooth shark, the ones that actually, well, you know, the name suggests what it is. So this newfound fossil tail from this giant predator stretches our understanding of how and where the dinosaur lived. Sorry, my chair just made a noise. Okay, so let me read a little bit of this article by Michael Greshko. Casablanca, Morocco. At the end of the dim hallway in Casablanca's University, Hassan II, I've walked into a dusty room containing a remarkable set of fossils, bones that raise foundational questions about Spinosaurus aegypticus, one of the weirdest dinosaurs ever discovered. Longer than an adult Tyrannosaurus rex, the 50-foot-long, 7-ton predator had a large sail on its back, an elongated snout that resembled the maw of a crocodile, nice word usage, bristling with conical teeth. For decades, reconstructions of its bulky body have ended on a long, narrowing tail, like the one on its many theropod cousins. The red-brown remains laid before me are altering that picture. These bones assemble into a mostly complete tail, the first yet found for Spinosaurus. It's so large, five tables are required to support its full length, and to my shock, the appendage resembles a giant bony paddle. There's some cool photographs uh, by Paolo Verzon. Yeah, there's some really cool photos of the dig site at Morocco's uh, Zigrat site where paleontologist Nazir Abrahim and his colleagues have been excavating a Spinosaurus skeleton. Nice. Yeah, there's a little slideshow here and everything. So that's kind of the news. Again, you know, I'm not going to dig too... God dang it. (laughs) But anyway, this was originally described in Nature... And so it basically, you know, the, the gist is its tail is like a paddle, like an oar. And again, the article continues. By the end of the tail, the bony bumps that help adjacent vertebrae interlock practically disappear, letting the tail's tip undulate back and forth in a way that would propel the animal through the water. The adaptation probably helped it move through the vast river, river ecosystem it called home, or even dart after huge fish it likely preyed upon, or those sawtoothed sharks in the photo. So... That's so cool and so interesting. And I love that we're getting new discover dinosaur discoveries that people are excited about. And, you know, don't believe that sort of clickbait of like Jurassic Park got it wrong. Obviously, the tail is wrong. 
because that's what scientists knew at the time. But I do like that it did kind of swim in the water. Like, remember the scene where Eric, um, yeah, Eric is looking and he sees the the Spinosaurus come out of the water. Like, that's you know close enough. So, ooh, um, uh, paleontologist uh, uh, Samir Zuri said the tail is unambiguous. It's just like boom. Spinosaurus, and then um, University of Maryland paleontologist Tom Holtz, who wasn't involved in the study, but you know, looking at the research, said Spinosaurus is even weirder than we thought it was. So yeah, you can go. I'm going to include. I've again, I, this was pretty big news when it first came out a couple weeks ago. So I'm sure a lot of you have already read this. But if you haven't actually read the Nat Geo article, it's there's tons of beautiful photographs and just looking at all these paleontologists like down and dirty doing their job. It's really cool. And yeah, this is so cool. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. There, there's, I'm just, now I'm just looking at so many cool photos. So yeah, go there. I love that we're getting, you know, we get to, if you're in the thick of it, uh, of, and, and I would recommend, Again, following more scientists on Twitter, I'm still working on a COVID-19 kind of resources episode. Uh, Apologies for the delay on that, but I will include a bunch of cool scientists that you can follow on there so you can be first to truly get a lot of this news. Because again, you know, this stuff moves at such a, you know, the, or, you know, as far as like when stuff comes out online, it boom, 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 it moves so fast. And so you know, if you don't want to miss any of that stuff, I totally suggest following if somebody like Dustin Grawick or, you know, Shana Montanori or somebody like that. Like that, these folks are always up there with the news and keeping up to date. So uh, you can follow them. And yeah, I'll put a link to the Spinosaurus article because it's really, really rad. And so I wanted to end the news section with a little bit of a, a, a nod to actor Irfan Khan, who passed away. He played Masrani in Jurassic World, and it's super sad. Um, he passed away on April 30th and he was 53 years old and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, and it's, I, I, you know, I don't have much to say cause I, I haven't seen many of his things, but you know, he truly made, he truly brought life to Jurassic world. And I really like, and I'm going to just read a little bit of what Colin said about Irfan Khan on Twitter. And he said, Deeply sad to have lost Irfan Khan, a thoughtful man who found beauty in the world around him, even in pain. In our last correspondence, he asked me to remember the wonderful aspects of our existence in the darkest of days. Here he is laughing. And it's a picture of him that he put on Twitter. And again, I'll include a link to the to Colin's comments and the news article on Twitter. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer. And, you know, because the thing that I've loved the most about the Lego Jurassic series is that Miss Ronnie is such a main character front and center. And even though it wasn't voiced by Irfan Khan, he's in my head when I see Lego Jurassic. So I just wanted to mention that. And it's very sad. And, you know, watch Jurassic World in honor of him because he was truly, truly brought so much life to that film. So with that, we're going to take a little break and come back with more Dinosaur Jurassic.
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, everyone, we're back. So... Even though I wasn't podcasting a lot, well, <laughs> I like to say I wasn't podcasting a lot. I wasn't see Jurassic writing a lot, even though I was because I was focused on Westworld and doing a bunch of other stuff. When we launched, I said no gifts, a new Exactly Right podcast, and Bananas as well, um, which I worked on the beginning, but they have a full-time producer and engineer on that show. And Bananas is great. It's just a fun new, new show. Check it out. I said no gifts. Such an amazing show. So really proud of those ones. And so anyway, I was still doing tons of Jurassic stuff online. I did a live, I did my very first like live tweet along. It was the hashtag Jurassic watch along Hector Navarro, one of the internet's best, funniest, greatest, thoughtful geeks online. He invited me along with Emma Fife, who's super rad, super fun, super cool. And Cameron Rice, he's a very talented photographer. They invited me to join their Jurassic Watch Along at the beginning of April. And I'll include a link to my comments. It was really fun to watch along. It was very hard to keep up because you're like watching the movie and wanting to have comments and everything. But it was super cool. And, you know, it got me thinking of different things that we can do as the Sea Jurassic Right community, as part of the larger Jurassic community. But, you know, right now, Right now, Jurassic Park podcast, they're killing it with their watch-alongs. So if you haven't watched their live stream watch-alongs with Brad, I suggest you go do that. Um, I would love to do more stuff like that, too, when I get a little bit more time. But I'm so glad that they're there because it's, I mean, it just seems like so much fun to watch along with them. So so definitely check that out. This was my first watch-along with Jurassic Park. And it's it's that thing. It's like every time you watch Jurassic Park, you discover something new. So thank you again to Hector and Emma and Cameron for inviting me to watch along with them. Speaking of which, Acast, which this podcast, that's the network that we're on. ACAST has the Staycast Initiative. Wow, that's such a hard, it's so hard for me to say that for some reason today. And basically just getting a lot of their podcast hosts to do fun and interesting content while under quarantine. So I volunteered to do a Q&A, which is super rad. And basically, I just got to talk about dinosaurs and podcast producing and stuff. And now that Q&A, that hour-long Q&A, thank you again to Zelma, uh, for asking tons of questions. That was so sweet of you. And um, yeah, uh, uh, it's available online now. So you can go back and watch it. And it was basically right when I moved. So I was just in an empty room with some toy dinosaurs. So that's kind of silly. But and other Jurassic Park rewatches that also happened this month, Joseph Mazzello, 
uh, did one with IGN and I ended up watching it. I didn't think I was going to be able to watch it, but I just caught the tail end of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I caught the tail end of it. Actually, no, that's not true. I actually saw, I probably saw the last 45 minutes of it. Um, but it was really cool to see Joseph Mazzello kind of talk about some insights and learn some new things about the filming again for, you know, that movie, you know, for him was when he was a little kid. So it's, it was fun to watch him rewatch it. And it, it made me appreciate uh, him in a way where it's like, I really wish Joseph Mazzello could be involved in the franchise again in some way, because it's clear that he really loves Jurassic park. And so that was like, very heartwarming to see. And that's something I really needed, I think at the time. And yeah, IGN, great folks over there. Jamie Parslow, who I used to work at with Loot Crate is over there and they're doing tons of great stuff. So I'm going to put a link again, all the, all these news stories and things are all going to be in things that I was involved with this month. They're all going to be in the, in the show notes and stuff. So I highly suggest you go check that out, but they did a little fun recap. So they kind of hit the key points of the full two hour, uh, experienced in kind of like a fun five minute video. So the other thing I did too this month was, Oh wait, I wanted to say before I get into this, um, Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost did a really great interview with Joseph Mazzello right when he was, when Joseph Mazzello was promoting this live stream. And so I'm going to go to that right now because, uh, <laughs> uh Joseph Mazzello answered a couple of my questions. Um, let's see which one of them. Uh, where is it? Oh, I should have had this up beforehand. Um, but oh, I asked like what, <laughs> um, uh, where was it? Uh, what do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, what do you think has happened to the Raptor that got locked in the freezer? Where do you think the Raptor is today? And so Joseph Mazzello says, well, it probably ate a lot of frozen meatballs. So it did okay for a little while anyway, but who knows? Maybe one day there'll be a sequel that works about that in the works about the frozen Raptor. And then Chris Pugh says, the frozen raptor being thawed out on a revenge spree. And then Joseph Mazzello responds, actually, I think it's perfect. Who knows what sub-zero temperatures do to dinosaurs? We're about to find out. So, yeah. And then there there was another question, too, I I believe I asked that's in here. Oh, about the, about, uh, the makeup for, like, what kind of stuff was involved in kind of, you know, with his hair, you know, Big Tim, human piece of toast and all that stuff. So he has a really great answer for that. And yeah, I'll put a link to this article if you haven't read it yet, or this interview with Joseph Mazzello. Chris Pugh did a really great job. It's a really fun. Um, interviewing's hard. So I really, I love this. I love this piece. And again, it's just more to the, more to that appreciation, appreciation of Joseph Mazzello, uh, Big Tim, the human piece of toast. So, and yeah, so the last thing I want to talk about, I mentioned, which you heard at the beginning, was my appearance on Dustin Grawick's Dinosaur 101 show. So it just ended. They did 50 episodes in a row since the start of quarantine. Dustin Grawick is incredible. If you don't know him, he, you know, dinosaur advocate, dinosaur lover, dinosaur fighter, dinosaur fan. And he works at the American History Museum um, in New York. And, you know, all over. I mean, he's all over. He's a sitcom king. Uh, we stand a Psycom King, but he has a YouTube channel and uh, the dinosaur. Well, that's his Instagram handle is Dinosaur Whisperer. And so he did 50 days of Zoom live streams every for uh, West Coast folks. It was at 9 a.m. And so for 50 days, he did dinosaur lessons. He invited paleontologists, animal folks, other scientists, me, 
this guy, he invited me on to, you know, talk about different topics. Obviously, I talked about dinosaurs, or I talked about dinosaurs, Stephen. Um, I talked about Jurassic Park, but it was fun because we essentially talked about, and it really felt like kind of a continuation of uh, the dinosaur episode I did in season one with Luce Tomlin Brenner, where essentially Steven Spielberg, when he created Jurassic Park, each dinosaur kind of served a role. And so it was really fun, like a functional narrative in like each each dinosaur had a specific function in the narrative of the story and also painted a rep in painted a picture of different representations of dinosaurs like symbolically as you know you know another level up from what the dinosaurs actually were so dustin basically went through all the dinosaurs when i was there like we basically went through all the dinosaurs and we kind of talked about that with the audience and so it was, and it's just amazing that he did 50 in a row of different topics every day. And so all of it, all of that content that he was doing is on his YouTube channel, Dinosaur Whisperer. So I highly suggest, and that is, I mean, this, this is, this is one of my biggest recommends that you'll hear again when, when I get around to doing the COVID-19 dinosaur resources episode is this channel, because you are getting, not only are you getting these amazing dinosaur talks and there's also fun games and dinosaur of the day and, the the audience that watches it's all participatory and there's like an art show at the end it truly it truly is very moving to be part of i i was i i was very honored and it just oh it's just i'm sad that it's done but i'm sure he'll you know pick back up on another project soon just like it and again you've got 50 episodes there to dive into all full hour long uh, basically talks you know so that is really cool and to kind of wrap up my, I guess, adventures section, <laughs> all my adventures were at home this month, you guys. I mean, which I'm sure is the same for you. So, and I moved again and had to move my Jurassic Park toy collection. So that was, I guess, a thing. And it, it just is making me think a little bit more critically about what things I want, how I want to display them, how I want to show them off. Because what I have been doing a lot, I think if you've noticed on social media, is kind of diving through this stuff as I've been packing up and like, oh, here's this cool, you know, Stan Winston book, art book, or, or like, you know, behind the scenes book, or here's this cool dinosaur figure that I have, you know, that's been sitting in a box for years or whatever. And so I think for me, and I would love to hear some suggestions from all of you, is if you have ways that you store and display, I more display your dinosaurs or Jurassic Park stuff, I would love to hear ideas because I want to kind of, I want to enjoy this stuff. I don't, I don't want to hoard it. I don't want it to have it be sitting in boxes. I want it to be alive. You know, I want to turn around when I'm working and see this thing. Like I basically just want this kind of, and almost the thing that too, that can rotate. So it's like every month, it's like, here's the kind of, here's the book I'm reading. Here's the sort of dinosaur figures that I'm obsessing over that kind of thing, instead of it just being one big pile. So I would love any advice because it truly is just a pile right now behind me. So, <laughs> um, and then just briefly wanted to mention that Jurassic Park so far. So if you, so Bryce Dallas Howard, obviously, um, our Claire from Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. She directed an episode of The Mandalorian season one. No word yet if she's coming back for season two, but I really hope she does because her episode was great. And 
in order to tide people over until season two of The Mandalorian comes out this fall, they did, they're basically releasing a docu-series about the first season. And so they have a round table of all the directors, including Bryce Dallas Howard. And she just has a lot, there's only been three episodes so far, but she tells a really great story in episode one about being six years old, like being my age when I saw Jurassic Park. And when she was six, she was in Japan having dinner, not her having, I mean, she was having dinner with Akira Kurosawa and George Lucas and Ron Howard. And, you know, she's just the little kid there because her dad's on a business trip to meet fricking Akira Kurosawa. Oh, and she has a lot of great stories like that. And, uh, and also stories about being a creator and a storyteller. And she talks about seeing Jurassic Park when she was 12 and, and Jurassic Park just gets a lot of love throughout the first three episodes in terms of technological breakthroughs and sort of blockbuster cinema storytelling. So that was kind of cool. That was a cool surprise to see. So uh, it just makes me again, if we're going to get a Jurassic franchise, you know, continuation after the Jurassic World trilogy, which I think we will, I think Bryce Ellis Howard needs to direct. I think she would be great. She has such a deep love and appreciation for the franchise more than any actor, I think. Maybe other than, I mean, Joseph Mazzello, I think he definitely, uh, Bryce Ellis Howard. Um, I feel like Richard Attenborough appreciated what Steven Spielberg was doing a lot because he did the Trespasser game and did all the voiceover for that. So, yeah, I don't, it's just, I would love for Bryce Dallas Howard to take the reins and direct a Jurassic. I mean, maybe she could do, you know, we, we talked about the, which, um, you know, I asked a question about a month ago about the Jurassic TV show, but I, I you know, it's just, there's not, eh, there's just not enough stuff to think about there yet. It's still so vague, but I, I was going to say, Hey, like we can, like, I would love to have Bryce direct a Jurassic movie, or she could be like the showrunner for a Jurassic show, which would be really cool. But yeah, her thoughts on also like, how actors deal with special effects and how like make sure the actors are taken care of in a sense, like all that stuff she talked about in the doc was really cool. And yeah, like she's such a selfless filmmaker and creator and actor. And so, yeah, if you don't, if you don't already love Bryce Dallas Howard, like I do, you will love her even more watching that Mandalorian doc. So I already mentioned the question. We're kicking that question to the curb this month. Let's take a quick break and come back with the final little thing that I want to talk about. Okay, and we're back. That is a much more dramatic break segment, mostly just because I ran out of breath. I feel like I've been talking very fast this episode. It's starting to get... When you start to record around sunset, you end up finishing the pod when it's dark. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I guess I'm a little hungry and I want to turn on the lights. But yeah, so yeah, the, the Jurassic TV show questions, I think it's a little too premature for that. So... I basically just asked a few days ago, I just wanted to ask people, Hey, what Jurassic park stuff, what dinosaur stuff, what, what kind of content of that are you consuming right now? Because again, it's the pandemic is, you know, it's, it can be a lot. It can be overwhelming. I definitely have been more in that camp of not wanting to do anything and just feeling like everything is pointless. But again, stuff like Dustin Grawick, dinosaur one one class and, and things like that have given me a, a lot more hope and have kind of, and kick me in the butt to get to get uh, my stuff together, you know, but 
again, it's fine though. You know, at the same time, I was watch started watching the Clone Wars, the final season, and I was just like, oh man, it's just so nice. It's you know, I think because I'm just working a lot, I'm kind of not having as much fun as I should be. I guess I don't know. So I just wanted to see what all of you are doing. And I think maybe if I just dive into these little things and rewatch Jurassic Park and do more stuff like that, it kind of helps my, it'll, I think it'll help my mood a little bit. So, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm on the upswing, you know, moving during this time was just really hard too. So anyway, um, <laughs> in the Facebook group, uh, Aaron says, I've been listening to the JP and the Lost World audiobooks for the question mark time with rain thunderstorm sounds on my Google home. It's just the best before sleep really clears out the anxiety of the day. Ooh, I love this, Aaron. That's such a cool idea. Like you're like kind of like doing like a mix. Um, you know, and it's actually funny that I, I don't know if you inspired me, Aaron, or if I just like subconsciously, cause I, I did see this comment when I first posted it a couple, like a week ago, but I ended up buying, I just somehow on eBay came across cause I've never listened to audiobooks. I know, which is funny cause I work on podcasts, but to me, it's like two totally different things. I love sitting and reading. So for me, I've never, I've almost been kind of weirdly aversive to, to audiobooks, but there was a four pack basically of Michael Crichton audiobooks, Jurassic Park, Congo, airplane and timeline and it was like 10 bucks or 15 bucks or something like that so i was just like hell i'm gonna go for it it's on cassette because i like to go vintage i like to go hipster with it uh yeah so i'm super excited to i i felt like if i'm gonna listen to an audiobook for the first time it has to be jurassic park i i think it's the abridged version because i did notice on ebay there's like unabridged like cd versions but i i felt like if I'm going to listen to a Michael Crichton Jurassic Park audiobook for the first time, I kind of want to listen to the way maybe somebody would have heard it in 1993. So I will let you guys know. Maybe I'll do, I don't know. I'll find something to do with that. That'll be really fun. But uh, I'm really excited to check that out. And then Zelma, who's been watching the Jurassic Park podcast watch alongs, said also I might rewatch Battle of Big Rock tonight. Yeah, I haven't really, I should watch because I got a new TV this year. I should watch Battle of Big Rock on the new TV. That'll be fun. I don't have a fancy sound system or anything. I mean, the new TV is a cheap ass TV, but I had the same TV for over for 10 years. And I was like, I probably need a new TV because <laughs> to me at the time, it was like, you know, so big, like a 27 inch TV was like, whoa, it's crazy flat screen. It's like and now I think the amount I paid for that TV, 27, whatever inch TV back in 2011, I think I paid the same amount for the 55 inch TV I got this year. So just goes to show you how things change. I don't know. Anyway, um, let me go to Twitter and we'll finish up uh, again. Thanks everyone for listening. I really appreciate all of you and all of your patience with the podcast. And again, I'm really hoping that as you know, I've been, you know, getting back into the swing of things that I can provide more content on the regular and you know when when to expect it because it has truly been all over the place so thank you guys for keeping up with me and keeping me feeling good and positive so i really appreciate all of you all right the first comment on twitter is from dusty who you heard a lot from the last minisode i mean you've heard her from almost the beginning of the podcast dusty's so great and um we've been playing a lot she says we've been playing a lot of jurassic world the live app and as ezra 
and I watched one or two Jurassic films on the weekend. I rewatched all the Walking with Dinosaurs during my lunch breaks. Ooh, I've been keeping <laughs> it's been keeping me sane at least. I like that idea. I would love to go back and watch Walking with the Dinosaurs because that truly was as far as like dinosaur content. You know, Jurassic Park, Land Before Time. I would say Walking with Dinosaurs was one of the other sort of big pieces, you know, on the documentary side of things. Was it Kenneth Branagh who did the VO? I believe it, or Kenneth Branagh did one of them. Let me, I'm just going to do a quick, no, not the Walking Dead, Walking with Dinosaurs. I guess they're technically dead. Oh, <laughs> um, Walking with Dinosaurs. Yeah, six part nature documentary miniseries. Produced by BBC, first aired in the... Un oh, it was... Wow, it was as early as 99. Uh, with Kenneth Branagh. Nice. Oh, and then in North America, Avery Brooks. Yeah, I should rewatch Walking with Dinosaurs. I think it's almost that thing of like, oh, it's an old documentary. But there's probably a nostalgic factor. It Just like I rewatched the um those sort of uh discovery books those science books that i had as a kid i they they also made um they also made documentaries and i actually just grabbed the vhs tape that brennan got for me eyewitness excuse me eyewitness dinosaurs and this thing this bad boy is from i don't know the early 90s or something like that and i watch this and this you know it's not not everything's going to be perfectly up to date oh oh martin i didn't even realize martin sheen narrated this anyway so what's to stop me from rewatching walking with dinosaurs uh that's a great idea dusty glad it's keeping you sane all right joshua malone on twitter joshua underscore malone says i've been trying to keep up on creative projects managed to get two new audiobook readings done of the jp lost world novels and working on jp3 that's fun Ooh, and he has some fanfic. Hell yeah. Finally, somebody's coming through with the fanfic. Um oh, I was talking I was talking to oh, I was talking to Lola Binkard, who uh I recorded a really great episode about the Jurassic Park books. We were talking about fanfic. And oh, congratulations to Lauren Lapkus, by the way, who was Vivian in Jurassic World. The Wrong Missy is number one on Netflix, or it was the number one movie this past weekend. It's really funny. I mean, Lauren Lapkus is hilarious. I've been, I'm a huge fan of hers from the podcast world, and I've gotten to work with her a bunch of times. And she's even been on See Jurassic Right. So go see The Wrong Missy. But, uh, oh, what was I saying about fanfic? Oh, it just, that, all that stuff made me think about fanfic. And then, so I'm excited to read your fanfic, Josh. And then also, yeah, he has readings of all the like junior novelizations and stuff. That's super rad. I'm subscribing right now. Sweet. Cool. I love that. And then Dilophosaur 13, <laughs> the same thing that keeps me jazzed for Jurassic, and it's a Dilophosaurus. I love that. So that's awesome. I'm glad there was a mix of productivity as well as just good old-fashioned enjoying and having fun. I think I need a little bit of both to sort of stay sane during this quarantine, during this pandemic. You know, need to, it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, all work and no play kind of thing you know you know how it goes you know how the saying goes so thank you all again for your patience your love your support i mean what should we what should we talk about next month again i'm hoping to just start getting back on the train of regular episodes and stuff um what's a good question this is i didn't think of a question ahead of time so well i'll think of a question I'll just leave you. You know what? I'm not going to give you homework. To, <laughs> I'm not going to give you homework this month. Just do you. Just take care of yourself. Be safe. And yes, I will see you very soon. Take care, everyone.
Now, you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Right on Instagram, See Jurassic Right on Facebook, or you can send me an email at SeeJurassicRight at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.